How are we doing, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Big D Podcast on Spunky Spectrum Sports. I'm here for my weekly contribution. Happy Monday. It's nice to be back on the show. And, uh, you know, before we get started, make sure if you're watching on YouTube, you like the video, subscribe to the channel. Dylan's always pumping out great content. Doesn't matter which sport you're a fan of, Dylan's going to be covering it. So make sure uh, to subscribe to the Spunky Spectrum Sports Network on YouTube and like the video. Uh, also, if you listen on Spotify or Apple Music, make sure you subscribe there as well. Uh, all podcasts, either uh, whether you like to watch video through YouTube or audio through Spotify or Apple Music, Dylan has you set up. But as I bring in the host of the show, your Big D himself, very happy from a recent victory, upset victory. Who knows? The Jacksonville Jaguars look like they might be back. But Dylan, welcome to your show. Upset victory? I knew we were going to beat the Chargers yesterday. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I mean, come on. Trevor Lawrence is, lo- Trevor Lawrence is looking like the GOAT. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is, you know, it's it, there's a quarterback controversy in the state of Florida right now. I mean, we've got Tua and Trevor balling out and Brady, you know, I'm not so sure uh, – he needed to step back onto the field. I think it would have made Giselle a little happier if he stayed home this season. But, uh, you know, I digress. Uh, congratulations to your Jaguars, obviously. My Miami Dolphins had a nice little win ourselves. And uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, as you just pointed out, how about the Miami Dolphins beating the Buffalo Bills 21-19? to I bet your defense is awesome from being on the field. 90 snaps yesterday. So did you think Miami could win? And what was the what was the game plan for Miami to win? You know, yes, I definitely thought Miami could win the game. Honestly, especially after watching yesterday's game, but really even going into it, I was I had this feeling and now I'm pretty confident in it. I don't think there's a team in the NFL that the Miami Dolphins should be afraid of. I think that they're you could name any 32 te- any one of the 32 or 31 other teams in the NFL, and I, I think every one of them is beatable with this current state of the Miami Dolphins. So, yes, going into the game, I definitely thought there was a chance, especially with the fact that obviously the Buffalo Bills were dealing with some uh, injury issues. Their secondary was pre- pretty depleted and even got more so during the game. Their starting center was out as well. So, you know, full of uh, excuses for Buffalo Bills fans. I've been seeing it for the last 24 hours, but um, – you know, I, I did think, and as far as game plan goes, obviously, I mean, the number one thing you have to do is be able to contain Josh Allen. He's the best quarterback in the league. He's the most dynamic quarterback in the league. He can run you over or he can throw it over you. I mean, either way, you've got to find a way to calm him down. And the Miami Dolphins built a game plan that was good enough to win. Did they necessarily deserve to win? That's a whole different story. I mean, you look at the stats, obviously the Buffalo Bills dominated dominated in almost every single statistic, statistical category other than rushing, where the Bills really, it was Josh Allen and that was about it. We didn't see much from Cook or Singletary yesterday, but really you just have to contain Josh Allen and honestly make him make the mistakes. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, the amount of points that the bills left out on the field yesterday, whether it was at the end of the first half where they had the botched delivery from the backup center to Josh Allen, they tried to do some fake spike and ran out the clock pretty relatively chip shot field goal. They missed late in that game. And then obviously not being able to capitalize on that last uh, fourth down, down at the goal line where 
you know, uh, Josh Allen sure uh, skipped that ball into the dirt. But, you know, uh, I think the Dolphins did as best as they could. You got to com- contain the superstar. Stefan Diggs did not really have that much of a game. He was on and off the field throughout the whole time. So, you know, it wasn't the prettiest victory, but it's an in-division r- victory. The Miami Dolphins are 3-0, and 2-0 in the division, 3-0 in the conference, and it's a great start to the season. I'm going to say your Dolphins got very lucky winning that game. Buffalo dominated game in every aspect, dominating time of possession, dominating plays, third down efficiency. But the but Buffalo made way too many mistakes. We saw missed field goal, mishandling at the end of both halves. Yeah. Not just the end of the game, but the end of the first half, not getting a chance at a ty- another Tyler Bass field goal. And, uh, I think that he played a role with Buffalo because it seems like Miami's players didn't have a problem with him. They won the field for 90 snaps, but yet Stefan Diggs was in and out of the game in the third and fourth quarter, seeing like Boston Knox, the offensive linemen were not ready for the heat and humidity of Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, I mean, you, you make some fantastic points. You're absolutely right about that. Um, you know, the, the Bills, you look at the stat sheet, it's a very easy stat sheet to read and say, oh, my gosh, the Bills dominated this game. They got lucky. But, I mean, at the end of the day, or the Miami Dolphins got lucky. And, yes, that is all true. I, I definitely admit that there was definitely a lot of luck. You know, I, as I just said, I mean, the Bills left so many points out there that, you know, they had the opportunity to win the game for sure. But at the end of the day, when you – I mean, you really look at the stats that matter. I mean, honestly, the turnover, the turnover ratio, the Miami Dolphins won the turnover battle. Uh, efficiency i mean you talk about third and fourth down efficiency but efficiency throughout the entire game the buffalo bills offense ran 90 plays in 100 degree weather against what had to have been a tired miami dolphins defense i mean when you think of that electric buffalo bills offense with josh allen stefan diggs gabe davis uh dawson knox you know it's the the efficiency that keyword right there was was nowhere to be seen i mean the buffalo bills offense put up 17 points on 90 plays the miami dolphins offense put up 21 points on 39 plays i mean you talk about efficiency you talk about the turnover battle and yes it was sloppy yes there was a lot of luck to ha- that had to do it with it but a lot of those stats that really count at the end of the day the miami dolphins came out on top of i mean even the uh even the the, the penalty battle you know penalties play a huge game a uh, huge role in, in in games miami's been struggling with that the first two weeks and they won the penalty battle as well last night so you know it's yes there was a little bit of luck yes there was uh extreme circumstances but you know it's the nfl you got to be ready to play every sunday in any environment the miami dolphins aren't going to be using the excuse in december when we're going up there and playing in the snow so i mean you know, there's there's home field advantage for at every single NFL stadium. You just got to play the best you can on Sunday. So somebody explained to me what happened late in the fourth quarter when Thomas Morstead accidentally kicked a hit his personal protector in the butt with a punt. Because I, I we, we all remember Mark Sanchez's butt fumble from that Thanksgiving game. I've never seen a butt punt. Yeah, you know, there's there was a couple plays yesterday that were uh, uh, somewhat relative flashbacks to uh, plays that live in the National Football League lore. We'll talk about another one in a, in a, in a little bit uh, here, but yes, the the butt punt as I think it's been uh, tagged over the last 24 hours. You know, I watch a lot of Pat McAfee, obviously a longtime punter in the NFL. He has broken down this play from three different angles with all of the insight. You know, according to Pat McAfee. 
obviously it's a shortened snap. You know, you know, you only have 10 or so yards to punt that ball. You normally have a lot more than that. And the, and the personal protector, the PP, he backed up. And in that situation, according to Pat McAfee, you always have to push forward when you're the PP in that situation. Unfortunately, uh, Trent Sherfield took a couple steps backward and uh, he sure felt it. But fortunately for the Miami Dolphins, it didn't cost them the game. It definitely would have been playing uh, all throughout Buffalo Bills Mafia Twitter uh, if Buffalo had came out on top on that one. But fortunately for the Miami Dolphins, it didn't end up costing them. It almost seemed like a safety might have been the right play in the first place just to be able to get that ball out. You run, you kill off Buffalo's timeouts, and then you uh, just hope your defense can stand up big, and that's exactly what happened. But I want to ask you, Dylan, um, you know, just one last quick thing before we move on. Josh Allen is a fantastic quarterback in the NFL. Everyone knows this. He's a, he's a top two if he's not two. I mean, it's he's up there. But we have seen in a lot of different situations – when that game comes down to the wire, every once in a while, Josh Allen kind of hides in his shell. He can't quite produce that, that final game-winning drive. Are you nervous about the clutch gene that Josh Allen may or may not have? Was this just an effect of the situation and, and the circumstance? Are you nervous about Josh Allen and his lack thereof, possibly, of that clutch gene? I'm not worried about Josh Allen one iota. He's fine. But I see a problem with Buffalo one they almost remind me of Mike Tyson because when Mike Tyson got in the ring, until he fought Buster Douglas, he would kick the crap out of somebody. But when he fought Buster Douglas that one night in Tokyo, he didn't have that jab. The Buffalo Bills are the NFL's best knockout artists. But Buffalo, I think Buffalo's lost the last six or seven one-score games. Yep. The Bills are too over the line on Josh Allen. And I hate to say it, and I love Sean McDermott, but I don't think but I don't believe he's the right coach for this team. I think the Bills need an offensive mind head coach because otherwise they're going to run Josh Allen in the ground just like the Panthers did with Cam Newton. There's a reason why Cam Newton's not playing the NFL right now. It's because Carolina all but abused him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And honestly, you know, speaking of this Buffalo Bills-Miami Dolphins rivalry and, and just the situation of everything, I mean, what what makes me a little bit nervous for Buffalo Bills fans, and obviously this is coming from a Dolphins fan, but whatever, I, I, I if I'm a Bills fan right now, I'm worried that our Josh Allen is going to be the new Dan Marino of the, of the Buffalo Bills, uh, a quarterback who is obviously elite level, one of the the best quarterbacks in the league throughout his entire career no doubt about it but they don't have a run game I'm sorry but James Cook and Devin Singletary are not the answer for the Buffalo Bills run game yes you can rely on Josh Allen to get the get the ball down the field on the ground but you don't want again this and this is the other problem uh, and this is the other thing that would make me even more nervous is Dan Marino didn't run the football he got the ball out of his hand within two seconds he didn't have to run the football but with Josh Allen taking the shots that he does he doesn't slide he's just going to try and run through you and the lack of a run game, I'd be nervous as a Buffalo Bills fan with an 0-4 Super Bowl record, by the way, that, uh, you know, Josh Allen, I mean, the Buffalo Bills are a very good football team, but do they have a full complementary offense, a full complementary team to really be able to win that big uh, Super Bowl game that they've been hoping for their entire franchise history? So 
just a little uh, little shout out comparison there. But you know, it, it, it's it's definitely like you said, Sean McDermott's got some answers, uh, to, uh, some questions to answer, and he's uh, really. I mean, they've been this good for for this amount of time. They really need to make some progress and really need to be able to get to that Super Bowl, or else. You're right. You might need to be looking in a different direction if you're uh, the general manager of the Buffalo Bills. All right. Uh, how about the uh, Sunday night game between the Denver Broncos and San Francisco 49ers? I mean, for a long chunk of that game, it looked like the Broncos were dead in the water, dead in the water. But yet, Russell Wilson turned finally looked like Russell Wilson, and the Broncos won a hard fall to. 11 to 10 game for a while. I thought it was the uh, San Francisco Giants against the Colorado Rockies. But uh, what did you think of that game last night? Um, To be honest with you, Dylan, it was uh, unfortunately a bit of a snooze fest. I think the most exciting thing that happened in that game was Dan Orlovsky finally being freed from the, from the, the not so uh, historical moments of the national football league. He was very happy on Twitter when that play happened where Jimmy Garoppolo stepped out of the back of the end zone for safety. You know, obviously we've all seen the clip of Orlovsky doing it. And I'm sure he's happy to have some company on that uh, wall of shame, unfortunately. But honestly, it was a disappointing football game. I know the uh, San Francisco 49ers have had a lot of promise this season. That took a big hit last week with Trey Lance's season-ending injury. But they still had to feel confident with Jimmy Garoppolo at the quarterback position. He knows the system. He's a guy who's been around the league. He's not the worst backup in the NFL, to say the least. So, I mean, an 11-10 to football game, fortunately, I didn't watch a big portion of it. I, I, I'm just, it's, it's just shocking. It's, it's a crazy NFL season so far. We've been hyping up this NFC West division for so long, or AFC West, I'm sorry. And now we have the Denver Broncos who really look like a shell of a team. I think, yes, Russell Wilson stepped it, stepped it up a little bit late in that game, but that Broncos team is not nearly as good as I think a lot of people were expecting them to be, at least as far as how pretty football they're playing. We know the um, Kansas City Chiefs lost to a very uh, hard-struggling Indianapolis Colts team yesterday, and the Las Vegas Raiders are 0-3. So, you know, we were calling the AFC West the AFC best, but I'm not quite sure that might be the case anymore. Uh, Do you – I mean, do you – what's with Denver's struggles? Because we've seen that Daniel – I mean, Ram Rodgers struggled with Daniel Hackness as as – the first year with this hack and Matt Lafro's system in Green Bay could have just be that Russ is learning a new offense after spending a decade in Seattle. Yeah, I definitely think that that has a big part to play with it. I saw something. Um, I saw a recap of the uh, of the game last night, and one and what a lot of people were noticing were that there was a lot of passes that Russell Wilson was putting on target to his receivers that were just going through their hands. I mean, you got to think about these. Uh, Denver Bronco receivers last season they're getting passes thrown to them by Drew Locke it's a lot different than catching a ball from Russell Wilson I mean the zip he puts on the ball the accuracy I, I, I think I've seen a lot of Broncos receivers who might be not expecting the ball to be put in that situation or get there that fast it's just a lot of I mean anytime you, you're a quarterback in the National Football League I mean it's one of the hardest jobs in the world uh, as far as in sport, at least in sports, um, when, when you're a new quarterback on a new franchise, you're going to have those chemistry bumps uh, up and down through, 
throughout the beginning of the season, especially, you know, fortunately, too, has uh, done a little bit better of a job as adjusting with his new uh, wide receiver partner. But, um, yeah, I think it's a lot to do with chemistry. I think it's a lot to do with just, I mean, their defense seems fine. They, they held San Francisco to 10 points this week. The rushing game, you know, we want to see a little bit more from Javante Williams, but he's not, I mean, he had a 3.9 average, 15 carries for 58 yards. I mean, it's not the numbers we really want to be seeing out of Javante Williams, but it, I think it, it really is just some chemistry. I think they have the talent on the team to uh, to succeed in the league this season. It just, it might be taking a little bit longer than I think Broncos fans were hoping it would. All right. So uh, thinking back to week one where the uh, 49ers and Chicago Bears played in that monsoon, I mean, there were all, there's at least one or two crazy weather games a year, whether it be rain, snow, wind, or freaking cold. So, Alex, what is your favorite cold weather game, um, favorite bad weather game that you can remember? My favorite bad weather game, I'm going to tug on a little bit of biasness here, but um, I would have to say it was, I believe, week one or two, I want to say three seasons ago, where the Miami Dolphins and the Tennessee Titans broke the record for longest NFL game in NFL history. Because of the weather, the game was delayed for hours and hours and hours. I had a couple friends who were at Hard Rock Stadium for that game. They stuck it out, surprisingly enough, throughout all the weather delays and uh, with all the, uh, you know, just bad conditions overall. So at, at least in my recent history or recent memory, that is definitely one that stands out to me. I mean, fortunately, the Miami Dolphins were able to go on and beat the Tennessee Titans in that game. Um, but, you know, it was that, that's definitely one that stands out. How about for you, Don? Um, I, I tried to go back in history a little bit, and I thought, what game would make sense? And I'm thinking, hmm, 2007, it was an absolute monsoon between your Miami Dolphins and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what I remember about that game, it wasn't just rain. Literally, if you punted in that game, the ball the ball would just stick to the grass. Like I've never seen a ball just like stuck. It would it it would look like it's coming. The ball literally left the opponent's leg and just stopped. Like it went nowhere. Yeah, and it was almost an impossible game to score. And the Steelers won that game three 0 Unfortunately for you, you Dolphins, that was the 11th of 15 losses that year. In fact, I think, in fact, I think Cleo Lemon was the guy who won Miami's only game of that year against the Baltimore Ravens, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, Greg Camarillo in overtime. <laughs> Never forget it. So it's weird when you think of crazy weather games. I mean, I remember. Megatron being the snow shuffle in Philadelphia. Yeah. Some of those cold weather games. I mean, we know Tom Brady has had a couple uh, uh, wet weather historically uh, known for their weather games, whether it's the tough rule or whether it's the snowplow game. So, uh, well, I guess that's just the Patriots in general. But, yeah, you know, it's fun. It's And, and that's the crazy thing about the NFL, too, is, I mean, you start your season in September, you come down to Miami in week three, and you're playing in 100-degree weather. 
And then just a couple months later, you can have a game below zero at Lambeau Field. I mean, it's just on Christmas Day. So, you know, it's just it's 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 what we love about this game. I mean, it's everything where you saw I mean, I'm sure you saw the clips of Roquan Smith and Justin Fields uh, in that torrential downpour week one. I mean, them sliding all over the field, doing doing water angels on the field after the game. I mean, it's. You know, these guys are having fun. Obviously, you want them to stay healthy, not not get sick because of any poor conditions. But it definitely makes for some interesting football, we'll say the least about that. Hey, and you know what? Deal with it. So what if it's rain? So what if it's cold? So what if it's windy? So what if it's snowing? The other team's got to deal with the same thing. I mean, there's, there's no excuses when it's a level playing field. I mean, maybe, maybe Hot Rock Stadium should have made when both teams are in the shade, shade, but we'll leave it at that. Hey, home field advantage, baby. <laughs> okay, okay, that's enough. <laughs> All right, so, uh, you know, I think it's probably about time for one of our favorite segments on the show. It's been a, uh, you know, as a uh, member of the fan club of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you wouldn't think that Dylan would have a lot to rant about this week after a fantastic upset over the Chargers, but alas, there is. Dylan, I I know you have a rant, and the floor is yours, sir. Well, for once, I'm not ran I'm not ranting about my team. I I don't know what else to say. I mean, 38 to 10, we've won the last two games, average only allowing five points against Matt Ryan and Justin Herbert. But my rant is not on the Jags this week. It is on who the Jags beat because I cannot explain what the LA Chargers did with Justin Herbert yesterday. First off, did you did did you see what kind of an injury Justin Herbert came into yesterday's game with? Yes. A rib cartilage issue. Yep. And I ne- I don't I've never played football, but having any rib injury would, would not be fun, right? Doesn't sound fun to me. And you know what happens happens when you get rib injuries? They give you some kind of a pain-killing shot. Yep. And we remember, I think it was week one, 20, week two, 2020, when Tyrod Taylor tried to play, but he couldn't play in literally five seconds before the game. We all found out Herbert was playing against the Chiefs. Yeah. But why are the L.A. Chargers playing Justin Herbert week three? And I understand every game matters, but this is a 17-game season, and he's your franchise quarterback. Why the bleep is he playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Herbert barely practiced, if at all, this week, and now he's sending him out there against one of the NFL's best pass, best defensive lines. Give him a week off. You, you're probably not winning the game anyway. Anyway, Your center's out. Your best wide receiver's out. You were found a couple key guys on the offensive line. Oh, yeah, enjoying the game. Rashawn Slater, towards bicep, potentially done for the year. And yeah. Joey Bosa, Harris Grunt. I mean, the LA Chargers are like the walking wounded every year. But Justin Herbert should not have played. And I'm not just saying it because I'm a Jack fan, but be honest, you can't risk Justin Herbert. Because if he gets some kind of an injury and can't play the rest of the year or is not effective, you basically wasted a year of him. And then late in the game when the score was 38 to 10, yes, 38 to 10, 
Do I need to repeat myself on the score? You do not. 38 to 10. <laughs> Guess who I saw playing in the last two minutes of the game? Justin Herbert. Brandon Staley, are you a freaking moron? Why is Herbert playing a 38 to 10 game? I mean, can, can you score four touchdowns in a minute and a half? I don't think it's physically possible. I mean, we saw the Jets score two in a minute and a half last week, but I don't think you can score four in a minute and a half. It's a couple more onside kicks. Maybe get maybe get maybe get a Greg Zerline to bump about five onside kicks, but even that won't. Why yeah. is watch Justin Herbert playing? And I understand you want to give him every snap. But at that point, you're not winning the game anyway. Your left tackle, center, wide receiver out of the game anyway. Get him off the field. Put Chase Sanders, somebody in there. Just finish the game with no more injuries. Because the other charters always get hurt. And if you and if Justin Herbert gets some kind of a rib injury or whatever injury, your season's over. Yeah. You're not winning the AFC West with Chase Daniel in the center. I can guarantee you that. At that point, I mean, the Chargers know the game's over. You wanted to, but you already knew Camp City lost. So why even play? Why even play? Play. You got Houston next week. So you, you can get him healthy for that game. And then you're two and two. You still have Camp City coming to Bill and late in the season. Get him healthy. Get him ready. And you'll be fine. Why Herbert even play in that game makes no sense. We've seen. Teams being conservative. I mean, the Green Bay Packers didn't play David Barton, either tap in the first game or two coming off injuries. We've seen teams be all uh, the Baltimore Ravens didn't play J.K. Dobbins the first two weeks, and he looked okay yesterday. So why would the Chargers play Justin Herbert when he's your franchise leader? Give me a bleeping break. Yeah, I mean, you, you summed it up perfectly. It's 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 ridiculous. I mean, I I understand that that the LA Chargers, you know, they're they're wanting to take an advantage of an opportunity. The the Vegas Raiders went go down to an zero and two start. The Denver Broncos don't look too great, and the Kansas City Chiefs are off to a flying start. So going into this game, you're sitting there saying we could really use this game. It's only a seventeen game season. You know, we win this game if if. The Broncos go down if the the Raiders go down, you know, if the Chiefs somehow lose the Colts, which end up happening, the, the, the Chargers can kind of propel themselves into a good spot there. I totally, you know, I obviously I wouldn't start Justin Herbert in that game, but I see why they at least wanted to give him the opportunity to go out there and see how he feels. But the part that's the craziest thing about all of it, which you absolutely nailed, being down 38 to 10 with less than five minutes in that football game and still sending Justin Herbert out there. That is a recipe for disaster. You already have an offensive lineman who, who got hurt during the game. Now he's out for the season. And, you know, you were smart enough to leave Keenan Allen on the sidelines for the entire game. Why risk it? Why have Justin Herbert go out there without his best receiver, with a banged-up uh, team? And like you said, the, the L.A. Chargers are known for getting injured. I mean, over the last couple, at, at least in the 2020 season, since they drafted Justin Herbert, the, char the Chargers have looked like a contender. And the, the idea that the main reason why they haven't been a contender is Derwin James will go down in preseason or someone gets hurt or this guy gets hurt or this guy gets hurt or Eckler gets hurt. 
I mean, it's why they would take that risk, why they would look at this Jacksonville Jaguars game and say that, you know, we're getting blown out, but we still want Justin Herbert to get injured reps against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it just blows my mind. It's disrespectful to their fans, I would even say, because they are taking their their golden boy. I mean, obviously, Chargers fans love Justin Herbert. They are putting him at risk. And for what? I mean, it's obviously we know the Chiefs lost yesterday. We know the Raiders lost yesterday. Uh, the Broncos were able to squeeze one out, but it's not as runaway as this in this division as we thought it was going to be. I mean, you've got it's a long football season, and the Chargers, as you said, were morons for playing Justin Herbert. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, Justin Herbert's not feeling the ill effects of all the of not only losing the game but having the Jags defense all over his uh, backside three and a half hours, but. It's rare you can celebrate back-to-back wins and do for your team nowadays. All right, Alex, so uh, thanks for hopping on today. We wish you well. Hopefully everybody can get through Hurricane Ian nice and, and safe and sound. And uh, do you want to say your weekly? Yeah, you know, uh, thanks for having me again, Dylan. It's always a pleasure to be on here. Thank you again for uh, another DraftKings victory, by the way. You know, pulled out on that one. Thank you, uh, Cordero Patterson, last second edition. So, uh, you know, we get we got the win going into next week. I think I'm uh, two and one on the season in our little matchup there. So I'm excited to keep that run going. And uh, as always, you know, Finn's all the way up, all the way to the top of the AFC, baby.